Growing up as a devout Christian, one of my most favorite hymns was Amazing Grace, written by John Newton and poet William Cowper. I'm pretty sure my parents sang it to me way before I made my grand entrance into this world. And to this day, this hymn is my go-to. Each punctuation in that hymn is so spiritually profound. But the one that always caught my attention was this. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear." For a long time, I just couldn't understand it. Like other parts of the Bible specifically say, fear not. So if God wants me to fear not, then why is he giving me the gift of fear? What a conundrum. <laughs> At the age of 29, I learned to fully appreciate this gift of fear. Let me explain. So fear occurs through an unconscious process, right? You can't call on it, it's just there. The purpose is of course to self-protect and self-preserve. If we're in survival mode, then the body and brain just take over and do what needs to be done and thank God it works like that. Otherwise, by the time we consciously plan an escape route, it's probably too late. I'm sure you've had people inform you that your baby demonstrates problem behavior or sensory issues. And you've probably heard people say that your child is having good days and bad days. I know hearing this about your baby leaves you feeling anger, maybe shame, or maybe a sense of helplessness. So what if I told you that all these labels thrown at your child are superficial, incomplete, and most definitely ill-informed? What if I told you that underlying all observable inappropriate behavior is a threat to safety? What if I told you that fear is the driving force and unconscious response to perceived danger? How are you feeling now? I can feel your mama bear energy boiling up to the surface and that's for dads too. You are feeling super protective of your baby. And that's exactly what I want you to be feeling. What if I told you that in order to protect your baby, you will need to understand your baby's body and your own body? If you're saying yes, Maggie, give it to me straight. Sure thing. Let's get on with it. Welcome back to the Wisdom Podcast, where you will get bite-sized perspectives on your neurodivergent child. I know the ideas I'm presenting are not always easy to hear and accept. That said, I do applaud the courage, humility and love you have for your child in showing up and allowing me to plant these seeds in your mind. I am your host Maggie and let's start digging. Fear is a wonderful gift as long as it doesn't overpower or dominate anyone's emotional state. This is true for both you and your baby. Courage in our society is often glorified through our music, movies, storytelling and art as it should be. However, a common misconception is that courage is equal to fearlessness. George R R Martin said it perfectly through the character Ned Stark. The only time a man can be brave is when he is afraid. It is not the absence of fear that makes anyone courageous. but the actions taken despite the fear 
So with that said, I hope we're able to leave all our judgments about fearful kids or scared kids. We want to leave all that at the door before we dive deeper into the subject. For your neurodivergent child to be able to look at you, to try a new toy, to tolerate a change in plan, a new type of food, a new pair of pants, all these activities take so much courage. I hear you going, wait, what? Are you telling me my child is afraid of yogurt? Yes. Emetophobia, an intense fear of gagging. I had to look that one up. Ah, I digress. Speaking of unnecessary tangents, let's circle back. I am reminded of Sherlock Holmes telling his partner, As ever, Watson, you see but you do not observe. Let's not make that mistake. Are you ready to really start observing? Alright, my OT philosophy for the most part right now is based on the polyvagal theory as I have found that to be the most holistic and effective way of looking at neurodivergent children. So we will be going deeper than, you know, the sensory and behavioral issues to truly understand deep-seated unconscious fears and apprehensions that can impede a child's participation or cause a child to withdraw from an activity. The fear exists because your baby's nervous system has picked up on cues in the environment that threaten her safety without her awareness. Dr. Stephen Porges coined the term neuroception to describe the way that all nervous systems make sense of the environment. He is a psychologist, a neuroscientist and the author of the polyvagal theory. So the word neuroception is a combination of two words, neuro and perception. Unlike perception, neuroception is done without conscious awareness. The nervous system is always neurocepting, looking for cues and on autopilot. So where are these cues coming from? Great question. Cues for safety or threat can be both internal or external. For your baby, internal threats look like infection, pain, injury, etc. External threats can be a loud and sudden noise, an angry expression on the parent's face or a parent's dismissive tone of voice, extreme fear of gagging over liquid food, etc. In fact, for some children, Any unfamiliar experience can be seen as a threat until proven otherwise. Even getting laughed at by the parent elicits big emotions in some children. What I'm getting at is that neither of us, you or me, know the lived experience of your baby right off the bat. We don't know why someone or something feels threatening for them. But we do owe it to them to keep an open, respectful attitude and to provide them a neuroception of safety. Now, let's get to you, the parent. What makes you feel unsafe? Let me give you some examples. Say your baby has a meltdown in the grocery store. or All the professionals working with your child are telling you your baby needs more support, more therapy, more assistance. Or seeing your child being discriminated against in school. These are all instances that can make you feel unsafe. The important thing to establish is that a generalized response occurs without conscious awareness and regardless of the validity of the threat. So what does this generalized whole body response look like? That's what I'm answering in this episode. So the entire system goes into three major physiological states. To better understand them, we're going to have to get a tad technical. Hang in there. It's simple and very interesting. 
So the polyvagal theory is based on the autonomic nervous system, which essentially involves nerves that connect the internal organs. Um, within the autonomic nervous system, the vagus nerve is probably the most important. And the polyvagal theory is based on the vagus nerve. And the reason it's important is because it's connected to everything. This nerve connects all the internal organs, the heart, the lungs, the, the gut, to and from the brainstem, which we already know is part of the autopilot system in the brain. Based on all these internal organs and the activity of the vagus nerve, the polyvagal theory identifies three autonomic states that you and your baby will unconsciously adopt. So now, if all of that was too much information, Let's just focus on these three states because that's what I, I would love for you to remember. The first state is called the social engagement state. So we're going to consider the environment, right? So the, the body within this environment is picking up cues that are telling the body that it is safe, that this environment is safe for us. So what happens within the body? All these organs we talked about, the heart, the lungs and the gut, they're all working in a calm and composed way. They're just busy keeping everything in check, like the blood sugar, the blood pressure, the temperature, hormones, body waste, fluids, electrolytes. All of these are just being kept in check. These are what we call the homeostatic functions, right? So the heart rate is slow and well-paced. Breathing is slow and deep. The gut is digesting all the food. Basically, all is well. These organs are in fact communicating to the brain. Hey, listen up. In here, all is well. In here, it's all good. Why don't you go and make some friends? Smile more, pass around some hugs and connect with other human beings. This is the social engagement state. Now, on the other hand, when the cues in the environment warn of danger, what happens? All these internal organs are in panic. The heart is like, I'm going to speed things up and I'm going to pump faster. The intestine is like, hey, I don't need so much blood. Send this to the arms and legs. Maybe we need to run away from this danger. The lungs are like, yeah, I got this. We have to breathe faster and not so deep. Hurry, 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 everyone. Now is not the time to slow down. This would be the second state, also called the sympathetic state, where the internal organs commanded by the vagus nerve are preparing for fight or flight. I imagine you're able to appreciate the contrasting internal environment. For social, everything is calm. For sympathetic, everything is rush, rush, rush. We have to get away from this or we have to do something. Now there comes a third state of freeze or shutdown. In this state, what if the brain has identified danger and the body is ready to fight or flee? But for, for whatever reason, it is unable to do either one. Some examples of this would be physical or sexual abuse, social anxiety, panic attacks. These are instances where the body will most likely go into a freeze or shutdown. It is often described as a deer in the headlights moment because the body becomes absolutely motionless. The heart rate and breathing slow down and you might hear people describe it as feeling stuckness or feeling unable to move. The throat becomes tight, they're unable to shout or speak. And remember, this is all an automatic response, right? It's not within anyone's control. The goal becomes remaining as still as possible, hoping that the predator 
will lose interest. It is a state of shutdown. It happens when the danger approaches too fast or the predator is too big. It's almost a sense of realizing that, you know, you just can't fight back or there's no point fighting back and you can't run away either. So you might as well just shut down and hope that things change. An additional fourth state is also called a fawn response, but it's different in that this is a social survival strategy. So unlike the other states, in this state, the individual will seek out connection and interaction and it will look similar to the first state of social engagement, but it's actually very different because in the first state, the body is receiving safety cues, right? But in this state, the body is receiving threat or danger cues. The reason you're seeking out connection and seeking out interaction is because you want to avoid conflict or rejection. The body will actively interact with the aggressor in an attempt to appease the individual in order to feel safe. So the person who is in this state, who is within the fawn response will demonstrate submissive mannerisms and try very hard to prove to the other person that I bring no harm or no conflict. Basically, there are three autonomic states that are identified and a fourth one, which is a social survival strategy. Now, it's important to remember that there is no right or wrong autonomic state. The ideal would be our ability to switch between states appropriately within the context of the environment we're in. Dr. Porges states quite poignantly that as humans, we are on a lifelong quest to feel safe. An emotion of fear enables exactly that. So are you like me able to appreciate this amazing gift that we're all given, the ability to fear so that we can keep ourselves safe? I want you to investigate yourself and your feelings for a second. If you see your baby as someone who's exhibiting behaviors that need to be rewarded or punished according to your rules, how does that make you feel? Maybe like a boss, your ego is strong and will not accept your baby disobeying the rules. On the other hand, the polyvagal theory prompts you to look at your baby's feelings. In any given moment, your baby is either feeling safe or threatened. How does this approach make you feel? You probably feel connected to your baby. You feel super protective and you want to ensure no harm. This is the natural parental instinct. You already have it. This protective, nurturing feeling. I just want you to be able to remember this feeling. Let's review. In this episode, we went over physiological states in both yours and your baby's body. We first learned why we shouldn't be judging neurodivergent kids or label them as fearful. We defined the three, four autonomic states. We understood neuroception and that safety can be threatened by perceived danger as much as real danger. We learned that your baby is using survival strategies that aren't the most efficient or sustainable, right? Survival in the real world in the 21st century will require a child's ability to successfully return to the first autonomic state of social engagement. Another important aspect that I couldn't really dwell on today in this episode is that you cannot help your baby reach the social engagement state if you yourself aren't there first. 
if you are in the sympathetic state of fight or flight, then that's what will need to be addressed first. And for your willingness to learn and change your own autonomic state, you will always be superheroes. All right. The next episode is the most important episode I have ever written. We are going to look at core needs of all babies, especially the neurodivergent ones. Your baby's core needs are your moral parenting compass as you take steps to empower your baby to be the best version of themselves. So if you like this episode, you will not want to miss the next one. Stick around and while you're at it, can I ask that you follow the show on Apple Podcast or subscribe on Spotify? Your support is going to help me reach more parents with my message. You can also follow my page on Instagram. You will find it at vysdym underscore vysdym underscore is the only place we can stay in touch for now also do share with friends and family that you know who have kids who are often labeled difficult this perspective will truly change their lives so thank you again for becoming the superhero your baby needs you to be i do hope you will water these seeds that i'm planting in your mind because i'm genuinely rooting for you pun intended wink wink That's all for now, my hardworking superheroes. I will see you in the next episode.